Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednars and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Glad you're with us this week. John Morris, Brooke Bednarz, and Brooke, let's take a stroll down memory lane. How about that? Just picture it, green and gold, uh, memory lane, Baylor Athletics. Let's go back. How about going back 40 years? Now, I know for someone of your age, Brooke, that's... (laughs) Not easy to do, but I'm doing our, some research. Okay, yes. but our two guests will help uh, guide us down that path. Let's look at the Baylor football season of 1980, Southwest Conference Championship season for the Bears, and we're going to visit with two of the key members of that team. Uh, quarterback Jay Jeffrey is with us, and running back Walter Abercrombie is with us. And guys, welcome. This will be uh, this will be a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, absolutely, it's an honor to be here. Looking forward to it. Guys, that's great. When I say 40 years, does that seem possible? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm just shocked, you know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm reminded how long ago it was, you know, <laughs> 40 years ago when we came to Baylor and those older players would come around and, and, uh, and, and would congratulate us after the game or something. We'd see those old lettermen who played, uh, you know, back in the fifties you know, um, it's kind of like that. You know, we all we always looked at them as old guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, old oh, guys. oh no! Oh, and so man. that's uh, kind of gives you a little bit of window to uh, to the way the current players look at us, I guess. Absolutely. Well, it's fun to reminisce about that season, one of the greatest seasons in Baylor football history. So, again, we'll do that. And, Brooke, as a little context, uh, I was in school at the same time with these guys. Oh. I was I would have been in the class of 81, but I got out in December of 80. So I was right there. I was editing tape for the Grant Half Show wow. in 1980. So uh, so this is special for me. And these are these are two of the great representatives of, of Baylor athletics, Baylor football, and that 1980 Baylor team. Well, I'm so excited to hear you guys, your thoughts on, you know, what it was like. I want you to walk me back through some of those key victories that, you know, sparked that championship season and just what it was like to play with each other. And now you're what you're doing in life and reflecting back. And I want to hear all about it. How about uh, let's start before 1980. The 79 team was a good team. You guys were both on that team. And uh, went to the Peach Bowl, beat Clemson pretty handily in in the Peach Bowl to end the 79 season. I've always thought that that was a real springboard to 1980. Jay, how do you, how do you remember that? Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, an interesting point is I was actually ineligible that year mm. because I transferred from Missouri University. I played my first two years at Missouri University in Columbia. 
and then transferred. So that year I was ineligible. I was a scout team quarterback. So that was Mike Brannon who was it quarterback was. then. And okay. Mickey and Mickey Elam. And Mickey Elam. Okay. They kind of split time. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. J- uh, Walter, how do you remember uh, 79 ending that year with a Peach Bowl win over Clemson? Well, uh, I remember there being a, just a lot of talent on that team. Um, we we didn't probably we didn't reach our potential, but I just remember there you know guys like Andrew Mellentree and and Gary Don Johnson and and uh, Frank Pollard and those guys were so talented and um, and, um, and and I and I and I just remember thinking, man, I w- how in the world did we not win more games yeah. and go to a, maybe a bigger bowl? But you're exactly right. It was it was those guys who were the products of the 1974 championship team on recruiting mm-hmm. uh, to Baylor, and then uh, they became became players, uh, a really great contributors to to our football team, and uh, and then here, you know, they kind of set the stage, so to speak. Um, all we needed was a good quarterback for the ni- next season. And, and here he and is. This guy, <laughs> this guy comes along, you yeah. know, and Brandon, yeah. not that, anything against Brandon. Brandon right. was a fine quarterback, but we lost Mickey Elam. And, uh, and so we needed a guy to step in. And Jay brought unique talent to, to the table. You know, he was a great passer. He's a tremendous mind for football, but he could also run. He, and, uh, and that's what a lot of teams probably didn't expect that from him, but he ate them alive. And so we were very fortunate the very next year to, to go on and win the championship. Jay, I was doing some research, and I found this old article where you talked about, you know, the decision to transfer to Baylor, but you had to have a conversation with Coach first, and what he told you whenever you said, you know, can I can I come to Baylor? Can you kind of walk us through that conversation and how you went from what he had said to the starter of that 1980 team? Yeah, I can, and that's one of the reasons why I love Grant Taft so much because he is a man of his word. He gives his word, and, and that means something in this life today. But when I was going to transfer, I'd been the backup quarterback for two years and felt like I should have been the starter both years at Missouri University. And uh, so when I was considering transferring, I was looking at the different schools, and Baylor had recruited me heavily out of high school. And so uh, Coach Taft called me. Uh, my brother Neil reached out to him, and then Coach Taft called me. And when Coach Taft called me, um, he said, Jay, well, <clears throat> we'd like you to transfer. And, you know, there are certain rules. He couldn't really recruit me, but he could just give me information. And he said, Jay, when you walk on campus, you're going to be our sixth or seventh quarterback. <laughs> and uh, my response was, Coach, that doesn't bother me at all. So what I want from you is when I win the job, that you give me the job. Because <laughs> I've won it here twice, and they didn't give it to me. So all I want is when I win the job, that you're going to give me the job. And he, he never never forgot it. And so uh, when I came in, I had full intention of, of being the guy, and uh, it worked out great. Wow. That's a great story. How did you not come to Baylor originally? I mean, your dad played here, Neil played here. I mean, you had Baylor written all over you, but you went to Missouri. I did, and I was recruited here. Um, you know, I played baseball and football and basketball also in high school, but was heavily recruited in, in, in uh, all three sports, but especially baseball and football. And Baylor didn't really recruit me too much in baseball. But the other thing that came into that is they had recruited a, a kid named Sammy Bickham, mm. which had gotten a lot of publicity that he was this All-American and blah, blah, blah. So I'm a senior in high school, and I'm seeing him being promoted on national TV, even though he wasn't even playing much. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you put all that together, and it just didn't seem like they really 
wanted me the way I felt I like. And yeah. uh, Missouri was just all everybody in the big, the big eight back then was the big eight in the Southwest right. Conference. That's right. So, so that's the that was the d- decision. Interesting. Well, you got here. That's the that's yeah. The I was about to thing. say that's that all that most, matters. That's the most important thing. Yep, for sure. you got here. Led Baylor to the Southwest Conference Championship, and and for a while there, for a long while, uh, we didn't win a conference championship unless it was a Jeffrey. At I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. followed in your brother's footsteps. It took you a while. You took a detour, I did. A but bit detour. you got here. Yep. <laughs> that eighty season. What do you guys remember about uh, spring of eighty? Going through spring work. Did you go through spring, Jay, or I were did. you playing baseball? No, well, I did both. Both, okay. That, that, that spring, and so I'd go to, to baseball and, or go to football practice. Then we had a game. I'd go over and, and try to play in the games. I did that all spring. But <laughs> I was there every, <laughs> every single practice. Wow. And it was a intense offense versus defense battle. And, I mean, there was fights at every practice. Oh, it really? Was, it was a serious, intense huh. thing. I mean, we had fights between uh, – the coaches wow. on the offense and the defense. And <laughs> you imagine Corky going after somebody. Oh man, so, <laughs> Walter. Yeah. So that was it. Was pretty intense spring. I mean, high expectations. I'm guessing going into eighty. I think there was. Um, uh, you know, we. I mean, I, I think we all sort of uh, felt like we could build off of the the Peach Bowl victory. Uh, we beat a pretty good team there. Um, uh, it, it was Clemson. And so uh, there was a lot of excitement and anticipation going into the 80 season. Um, we were fortunate that we didn't have a lot of injuries. Uh, we were healthy. And here you got some great players like Singletary going to come up to be his junior season. I mean, his senior year. Uh, Radar Holt. I mean, you had you had these uh, tremendous players. We had all the experience and, and had performed pretty well the previous year. And then uh, th- this was the year we were going to put it all together. And I don't know if you remember this, Jay, but um, with all the anticipation coming into the 1980 season, I think Coach Taft walked into the, uh, one of our meetings and said they were, they were going to close our dining hall or something. And that was where all the athletes were, were eating. And so um, that could have been a huge distraction for us, but the way Coach handled it and the way he, he talked to us about it, that let nobody determine the destiny, your destiny and your path for you. You focus on what you're supposed to focus on, and and you commit yourself to that, no matter what it is, and you go after it. And that's exactly what we did. We focused. We didn't let the little distraction of not having a dining hall to to go to to eat uh, our own dining hall. So um, that's what happened. We went out, and because we had that little chip on our shoulder, you know, it made a difference during the season. You know, one of the things, too, is – you mentioned it a little bit is people were thinking that we came kind of came out of nowhere. And when you think about it, we had the best linebacker in the country we had the best offensive lineman in the country. We had the best free safety in the country. We had the best running back in the country. I mean, we had studs all over the place. We just needed to put it all together and have the belief that this was going to really happen. And I'm telling you, when we went into that season, it was, we're going to make this happen. And, uh, and there was never any doubt on the team at all. The Black is back. It's the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels. Get special holiday deals on the truck of your dreams, like a brand new Ram Lone Star Crew Cab with special factory discounts and financing. Or grab hold of the Swiss Army Knife of SUVs, Jeep Gladiator, and head for holiday adventure. The Black is back. The Black Friday sales event from Allen Samuels, your friend in the car business. 
Whether on the field or cheering from home, Du Bois Furniture is proud to support the Baylor Bears. If your bear cave needs updating, Du Bois Furniture is here to help. With over 59 years of our family serving yours, let our experienced sales team help you find exactly what you want. We specialize in custom upholstery, stunning dining rooms, elegant bedrooms, gorgeous leather, and top quality mattresses. Come see us in Waco and Temple or visit us online at DuBoisFurniture.com. Du Bois Furniture, where beautiful homes happen. Now, back to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. We're visiting with former quarterback Jay Jeffrey, former running back Walter Abercrombie, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the 1980 Southwest Conference Championship football team for the Baylor Bears. John, when I looked at this record going into the beginning of this 1980 season, I noticed that they won the first seven games because I, of course, was not there for this season, but I've enjoyed doing all the research for this. And last year I got to be a part of the beginning of a 9-0 and season. So I know what that feels like. I got to experience it with Baylor, the excitement of win after win after win. But I want to hear from you two what that was like. It was kind of expected, like you mentioned, chip on your shoulder. But you guys – started with a big step forward with a lot of momentum and you just kept plowing through uh, those first seven games. So what do you think the key was to that? And when you mentioned, you know, finally getting all those pieces to click, Jay, uh, what was the key to doing that? Yeah, well, we played well early and just blew up Lamar and blew up West Texas State and just kind of went on a roll. Um, didn't you know it? she's trying to work her way around to the game we lost. Uh, no, <laughs> I purposely <laughs> avoided that game. I wasn't even – it's not marked on the paper. I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I heard her say 7-0. That's yeah. what I heard. 7-0. I, I don't remember that. Did we lose one <laughs> but, um, but, you know, going into the SMU game, we were not favored. They were We were ranked in the top ten, but they were higher. They had an All-American quarterback in Mike Ford. Of course, they had – Dickerson and James, who were the third and fourth best running back in the uh, Southwest Conference because right. Gentry and Abercrombie were the first <laughs> two. But uh, that was a big game, and that was a game that turned it around, and we went behind 21 nothing early in that game and they made a great comeback to actually win uh, that game 32-28. And that kind of made us realize how, how good we were and uh, the fact that we could beat anybody at any time. So at that point, we were expecting – us to just keep getting better and keep getting better. And everybody believed in everybody. The offense believed in the defense. Defense believed in the offense. And it was a great, great season. Walter, that SMU game, I'm sure there was a motivational halftime speech to get you guys to come back from that. Is there anything about that that stands out? Well, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. There, there, was, there were several motivational halftimes uh, uh, during, that, uh, during that season. But uh, – uh, was that – that wasn't um, – It was not oh, the worm. It was no. not the it worm. It was not the worm. Not the worm yeah. It was at Kyle Woods. Well, Kyle Woods – No, that was later. That was. That was against Arkansas. Right, okay. That right, was before right, – right. that yeah. was in the pregame before Arkansas. My, right. my bad. I, the, the years run together, you know, and uh, – but, but um, I don't know what prompted us to come back. I know we had some great play by, by our quarterback, and, and he was able to bring us back, but – the thing that um, that I remember about SMU, could, because there was such competition between uh, in, in the backfields, and, and of course I was a running back along with uh, running uh, with Dennis Gentry, and they had all of the you know 
they had all these big recruited guys, you know, with Eric Dixon and Craig James. And so even though Jay has been kind of nice, giving us the accolades, but those two guys were really nationally known and, and, um, and they were big dogs. And I was proud that uh, Dennis and I, and, and by the way, Dennis Gentry was a, was a small running back. He, he wasn't very big. He, he probably weighed 175, 80 pounds. But, I mean, the football field, on the field, he played like a giant. And, um, he, of course, he went on to, to play 11 or 12 years in the NFL. But a lot of folks totally underestimated him. He was probably pound for pound the best offensive player that, that we had. And so um, he, he had a great, uh, a, a great year that year, and, um, and I enjoyed running with him, and I enjoyed get, getting to run because he was a tremendous blocker. He's a little guy, was fast, quick, great runner, but also a devastating blocker. And um, Dennis Gentry, I would say, probably made Walter Abercrombie because of his, of his ability to block and open holes for him. You know, that's so. one of the things that people don't realize about our great running backs is they were both unbelievable blockers. As we would run the option the other way, you'd have the trailing back who was the pitch man, and the lead back was the blocker. And that's whoever they were blocking was going down every time. Against SMU, uh, we were down 21 nothing. Our quarterback at the time threw an interception to make the score 21 to nothing SMU. <laughs> And um, as we went back out for the next possession, it's 21 nothing now. We're behind, and the second quarter just started. And we get the ball, and it's on like our own 26-yard line. It's fourth and one on our own 26-yard line, and we go for it. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, because, and the game's going to be over right. yeah. at that point. Of course, Walter gets it, and the key to that part is that we narrowed it to 21-14 at half. And that was the part that all of a sudden we knew and uh, and then they made a twenty eight fourteen, and then we dominated the game after that. So, do you do I remember this right? Do you remember a conversation with Coach Taff? I do okay. very tell, very vividly. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, I, when I came to the sideline, it was twenty one to nothing, and uh, you know, I always tell the story that the defensive back made a mistake, made a bad read because our receiver was running wide open, but I threw the <laughs> the short route, and uh, Simmons intercepted and ran it back for a touchdown. And I came to the sideline, and I went to Coach Taff and just said, "Are you going to take me out?" And uh, Coach Taft does like he always does. And Coach and I have different variations of the stories, but <laughs> he's not here right now, so I'm going to come on. But, uh, you know, he said, Jay, well, what do you think I should do? Which is very much Coach Taft to turn it back on you. And I said, well, if you take me out, there's nothing I can do. You leave me in, we'll win this game. Wow. And, uh, and he said, Jay, I believe that you believe that. That's what he said. And then he turned and started to walk away, and he turned around and said, Jay, he said, you're my quarterback. Let's go win this thing. Wow. wow. How great is that? That is great. And you did. I mean, it's one of the big comebacks in Baylor history. Down 21 nothing first quarter and win at 32-28 over a good SMU good team. SMU I team. mean, a good SMU yep. team. Mike Ford, their quarterback. Yep. So that gets you to uh, 5-0 and on the year. Uh, A&M is next. Uh, played in a monsoon at Texas A&M. Can y'all describe how hard it was raining for that game, Walter? Well, it, it was it was, you know, that game was like a blur to me because um, I think we went into the game, Jay, with um, prepared to pass the ball. We dude. were, huh? We were going to wow. pass the ball because we knew they were going to stop, try to stop us, try to stop the run, and uh, and I don't think we got away from. <laughs> I think we threw the ball in that weather. Um, there was a, um, I don't know if it was a screen pass, mm -hmm. Jay, you threw to me on the side and I remember 
like losing the ball when it left your hand yep. because of the rain wow. and then seeing it right before it hit me in the face. And I reached up and grabbed it. And I saw these two A&M guys coming just about to kill me. And I ducked and closed my eyes. And I think they slipped or something. But I got past them some kind of way and made it to the end zone. But, but no, it was a, it was a lot of rain. Um, and uh, it was difficult to see. The first Difficult quarter, to hear it. When the game started, you literally could not see the secondary. And so when wow. we came up to the line and one play was third and, and I'm taking the snap because the ball would just go straight through your hands. It was raining so hard and I couldn't keep it dry. So I'm literally catching the ball in my belly and we come up and it's third and eight or whatever. And we're breaking the line and I'm grab Ray Cockrell, our tight end and say, Raymond, I'm coming to you on the curl because I can't see anything wow. else. Pass so that. I drop <laughs> you are it. <laughs> I, I drop straight back and act like I'm looking over here and turn back and hit Raymond. And, and then the, as the first quarter came to a close, uh, the rain started stopping, and it was really, really wet. But I threw actually threw three touchdown passes in the second quarter, and none of my passes were past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the right thing. I threw it to Walter, yep. and he went and scored. There you go. Good call. <laughs> threw it to where you can see. <laughs> and, and let's make the point on this Baylor podcast that uh, Walter, in your four years here, and Jay, in your two years here, never lost to Texas A&M. And that's that, right. That was one that's of right. them, forty-six yeah, to seven. Yeah, that, that was a that was a beat down. That was forty-six yeah. to yeah. seven. Beat TCU the next week. Got a non-conference game in the middle of your conference schedule, San Jose State. Which notice, I am not <laughs> the one bringing this up. We're going to skim <laughs> right over this, but it just. I mean, it just has disaster written on it. You know, you've got all this momentum. You're playing conference games. All of a sudden, you got a team that you, you never see. It's a non-conference game. What do you remember about the week leading up to San Jose State? I've tried to block that game out of my mind <laughs> Fair so, so many years. Fair uh, enough. I don't remember much about that game, but uh, I just I just, I just remember thinking, I can't believe we just lost to this yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. You know. You know, the, the interesting thing in the first half is that we just dominated the game and we just didn't score. And, you know, that's like you always say, you know, when you have momentum, you just need to put it away and be done with it. And right before the half, they ran a, uh, through a sideline and Mike Singletary was, was cutting over to the flat and the ball kind of hit him in the back of the helmet, popped up and their guy caught it and ran for a touchdown. And that kind of turned – and the second half was just a nightmare. Mm. Just one of those games that just nothing went right. Yeah. And, uh, it was Gerald so, Wilhite, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Gerald yeah. Wilhite yeah. with San Jose yeah. State. Yeah. All right. Well, but out of that, and that's enough. That's right. enough time right. about San right. Jose right. State. Turn in the page. <laughs> that's right. Out of that, an amazing story and comeback for this team. We'll talk about that after a short break. You're listening to the Sikkim Podcast. We'll be back with Jay Jeffrey and Walter Abercrombie, members of the 1980 Southwest Conference Championship football team here at Baylor. We'll be right back. If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the big text tandem duels. We also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of big text trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com. 
to say my wife and I have a lot to clean is an understatement. So we go to TNG Chemical, where the pros know what cleaning solutions to use and give us detailed instructions on exactly how to use them. We never got that kind of advice from any other stores. And the prices at TNG are great, from general household cleaners to odor control solutions for our pets. We go to TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. TNG Chemical and Supply. That's why. You're listening to the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Bednars and John Morris. Welcome back as we continue on the Sikkim Podcast, presented by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. On the web, alansamuelsdcj.com, your friend in the car business. We are strolling down memory lane on our podcast this week with uh, Jay Jeffrey and Walter Abercrombie, members of the 1980 Baylor Southwest Conference Championship football team. We are past San Jose State. We are to Arkansas that game that year. Was that homecoming? It was. It was, wasn't it? That's homecoming. And for you guys uh, to to come back – that word we'll hear again, <laughs> to come back for, like you did after the loss to San Jose State. Jay, walk us through uh, the motivation uh, to play well, and you guys played great that day. Yeah, we did. Well, it was, a, it was a, a nightmarish week because we just knew we should have obliterated. It was one of those deals you always say, I'd make that play 99 out of 100 times. We'd beat them 99 out of 100 times, but that didn't matter. We lost. So now we got to figure out how to win the conference and how to – put ourselves in a position to still win a national championship. And uh, so, uh, you know, before the game, as we're getting ready to go out, it was Kyle Woods had been hurt in the before the season started in 1979. And a lot of people know the story of Kyle and the damage to his spine and his neck and it was paralyzed. And, uh, and our team and Walters, Key and Red R. Holt and a bunch of other guys in helping Kyle through the rest of his life. But before that game uh, – I don't know, Walt, if you want me to tell that the, the pep talk that he gave us before the game. Or you, you might have a few more details yeah, that yeah. I haven't gotten to. <laughs> well, if you remember we're, it. We're getting ready to go out, and, and literally it's right before, which is very odd for somebody to come and talk to the team other than the coach. Right, before, So we go out, and as we go out uh, pregame and you do the stuff and you come back in, and generally at that it's just the coach says one last thing, you're ready to go. We go, and we come back in the locker room, and Kyle Woods is sitting in his – chair right before the game is getting ready to start and we go in the locker room and Kyle is sitting in his his brothers behind him uh, Daryl and uh and Kyle is just talking he says you know I had a grandmother raise me and uh and as I was going she would always say uh, in life you take a setback and you make it a comeback and he said that's what I want y'all to do and then Kyle stood up and actually took a step the only step he ever took in his life. And so wow. when he did that, the team went nuts. We went out. And, I mean, we blew Arkansas yeah. off the map. We got the ball, and we were taking these wide splits, like, say, 18-inch, two-foot sl- splits, and they were going with us. Mm. And so the <laughs> lineman said, what do we do? I said, let's just keep going wider. <laughs> we just kept going. Because really? the wider they go, you know, they were on a, their, their tackles outside our tackle. The wider they go, there's just more room than Walter and Dennis are diving, and yeah. we are getting – 12, 15 yards a pop. Wow. And we just take it down and score and score. And I think it was 45 to something, and it wasn't that close. 42, 42 to 15. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was but, – but that was a true story and a true emotional – I don't know there was a dry eye in the place, and we ran out on that field. I mean, it was right before the game. Yeah. 
we ran out on the field. Uh, we were 10 feet off the ground. and, and um, But, yeah, I mean, that's – I remember that. Jay uh, – I mean, Kyle uh, talking about his grandmother. And, um, and of course, we're all, we're all listening to him because we, we feel awful. This injury happened to him. He's in this world. He's, he was one of us, you know. And, he, and he's looking at the probability of never walking again. And so as he's telling this story, the poise he had while he was telling that story, and it was so appropriate, you know, for that situation. He said, guys, I'm, it's like my, my grandmother used to say, you, know, you take a step back into, and you turn it into a comeback. And those words resonated with us. And when he stood up, he sort of illustrated exactly what he was talking about. And there was that bit of hope that Kyle could walk again when he took that step that Jay talked about. And so that was just the spark we needed. And we went out and, and he said, it, it was just, uh, we were, like I said, 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. Everything clicked. Everything went the right way. And oh, coach uh, Lou Holtz, Lou I'll Lou. never forget him. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what hit him. Yeah. <laughs> That's Boy. amazing. That's an amazing story. And you guys, as a sidebar, y'all stayed close with Kyle through the years, through the rest of his life. Radar kind of led the charge, but everybody did. I mean, he was a real uh, central uh, figure for for all those teams, weren't weren't they? Seventy uh, nine and then eighty, yes. just really binding you guys together. He really was a, was a very influential guy, and one of the reasons why, you know, the B Association chose him to be a Wall of Honor recipient, uh, just because of the impact that he had on so many lives. Well, and it says a lot also, you know, we always talk about how football is more than just a game and it truly sets you up for life. And that's exactly, you know, hearing the story back, that's exactly what Kyle did for you guys is he, you know, right. Y'all were in the thick of it. It could have, you know, been a downward spiral from then, but instead he kind of pointed out that, Hey, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world. And if I can take a comp, a step back and turn it into a comeback, then you guys can do that with this game. So yeah. to to get to hear that story, I can only imagine being there. Um, but that's super special. It's hard to not be emotional just when I was telling it here. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So. This many years later. Amazing. 42-15 was the final. Uh, like you said, Arkansas didn't know what hit them. Got to go on the road the next week. Uh, always that tricky late-season game against Rice. Uh, R.A. Day when the game was in Waco, but this one was at Rice Stadium. And if I remember right, you guys would have clinched the conference championship right. with a win over Rice, right. and typically it was a tight, close game. It was. You know, the first <laughs> we played, Walter had had been injured uh, the week before, and I don't remember what it was, a hip or something, and he hadn't practiced a lot. He was practicing so he could play. And the very first play from scrimmage, he ran 79 yards and got to the one-yard line. And, uh, yeah, we want to talk course, about that. He, he comes, <laughs> Why he didn't make in, it? He comes in the huddle, and we are ripping him about, really? <laughs> really? He got caught on the one? So we run a play, and it's and they stop him. Of course, he's exhausted. Of course, I'm audibling. At yeah. the, we had our goal line offense, and, and Taft would just signal to me, and I would call the play. So I, I, I said, Walter, you're getting it because I wanted him to score. We scores and we go second down. He doesn't score and third down. He doesn't score. <laughs> and, then, and then we're in the then we're in the then we're in the huddle. And uh, and this is absolutely true in the huddle. Our guys and I say, well, well, we probably ought to do something else. <laughs> and I said, that ain't happening. Walt, you're getting the ball. Ah. And when we broke the huddle, our offensive linemen are laughing 
our whole team is going to the line <laughs> laughing. And you got it. Rice has got to be going, what is wrong with these guys? Why are they doing it again? <laughs> and, uh, but Walter, but Walter went in, dove in, and we actually played uh, pretty well that game. But Rice had a great game plan. What they weren't going to do, that we were in the lead option. They weren't going to allow Walter and Dennis to hurt uh, hurt us with the big gain. And so what they would do is send the defensive end out to the and make me carry the ball. Mm. And they had a guy named Michael Downs, who was all mm. pro for the Cowboys, yeah. was their strong safety. And so the defensive end would go up. Well, I'd have to turn it up, and he would just come and hit me. And he'd hit me, and, you know, I'm picking up five, seven yards a time, but getting the fourth quarter, yeah, I don't want any more of that five, seven yards. Yeah. I finished the day with like 97 <laughs> yards. Dennis had 120, and Walter had some, but – the fourth quarter, I finally told the guys, guys, <clears throat> I don't care what the read is. I'm pitching the ball. So you either need to outrun them, <laughs> knock them over, or something. And uh, But we still played pretty well. And it's one of those games that everybody said we took it for granted because it was 14-7 to 7 or, or it wasn't a very – to 16-6. 16-6. It wasn't a very big score. But we did dominate the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we controlled the ball. I mean, which you said, you know, we had three people almost rushed for 100 yards. So we dominated the game, but we just didn't score. Yeah. So. And uh, just rewind a little bit back to uh, for a little redemption. Uh, that seventy-nine yard <laughs> run that I made. Jay mentioned him. Uh, the guy that caught me on the one-yard line uh, was a guy named Michael Downs. Okay. Yeah. And okay. you may not remember this, but Michael Downs was like an All-American or All-Conference Sh- hurdler. Sure. He yeah. Was a great right. track. Yeah, guy. That's, that's right. what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's right. He yeah. is right about yeah. that. That's good. But, good, uh, good addendum there, Walter. That's good. <laughs> just, just for the record, I mean, but I am telling little you, side just, note. little side note. Asterisk. I am telling you, he was here in the huddle. Really, yeah. really. We Walt, all really? had to run down yeah. there. Okay, fine. Sixteen to six win over Rice. You clinch the Southwest Conference Championship. Still one game left, and it's Texas to close the uh, regular season. And there's no way you guys are going to sit back and enjoy the championship. I mean, you want to finish it out in style. And it was a it was a nasty day. It was cold and rainy and, and all of that. But we really did. It was another game. They they kind of stopped us the first couple possessions. But we, 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 we pretty much wore them out. And we weren't scoring. And then we were, we were saving a play, a, a trap play for Dennis as they were coming up field because their defensive tackles were so strong. Texas was so good. They literally, everybody makes it complicated. They didn't. They lined up with four down linemen, three linebackers, and did the same thing and played man-to-man outside. They did yeah. that every play yeah. because they were so good. They had, you know, Kenneth Sims yeah. was the first person drafted right, next right, year. Yeah, right. number one in New England. But he, um, so they were studs everywhere. Well, they would come up field so fast. And finally, John O'Hara called the play in. And a Buzzy, or Nelson, our center, was telling them, because Ray Cockrell and Sam Houston would, run the plays in. They'd go back right. and forth on play, and, and Buzzy kept grabbing him, saying, tell O'Hara to call the trap. Called, And finally he did, and when he did, it was just busted right through the middle, and they didn't have a chance catching Dennis. He was gone. And yeah. uh, But we, we dominated. as another game we dominated. But I tell you what, we were dominating, and then it was 7-7, seven to seven, and I think they were driving down the field to score, and I don't remember, Doak or somebody jumped up Tippett, and Cedric intercepted the ball oh, yeah. on the one or two yeah. yard line. Oh wow! And then we took that and went down and scored. Wow! So yeah, it was a good game, but we dominate sixteen or whatever it was. But we dominated the game. Well, well I don't want to correct you because no, go ahead. But it's actually good news for you guys. They didn't score 
It was a oh, shutout. It was a shutout. Yeah, it was a solid right. shutout that, you know, they held were close the to scoring on that while. play. Yeah. And, but you shut them out. And that for Texas was their last shutout for a long time, like yeah. 25 years yeah. or so, mm-hmm. I think, after that. Yeah, so they were going to tie the game. At that point, that's what that's it was. That's yes. 7-0. Yeah. It was yeah. 7-0 at that point. Yeah, and, our, of course, our defense was dominant, you know, and we, as we're sitting here talking about it, and because mm-hmm. Walter and I are both offensive players, but, you know, when you look at our linebacking crew, the best in the country, I mean, we had four of the best linebackers, and only three of them could play. Yeah. You know, and so when you had <laughs> Lester Ward and Steve Ronaldo, who's an amazing story, being deaf, and then Doak Field, who was all-conference three years, and Mike Singletary, who was all-American for three years. Right. And so it's uh, it's amazing the number of great players that we had. Great players on and defense, in the, in the, and then in the backfield, because we had Thomas Earl. Yeah. You know, we had uh, Cedric Mack, as we talked about, and then also Van McElroy, who was oh. was was a was an All American. And so, um, who and and then you think about the number of athletes that went on to the league from that team. It's, it had to be close to a record yeah. of, of, of pro players, but. Not but only just, the guys that played, the guys that were on the bench yeah. that year. There were so many the couldn't get on the field. That's right. Yeah. They were so good. So Well, here's here's some of the honors. Out of that team, uh, these guys were consensus All-Southwest Conference. Nine of them. Nine players Nine. on your Baylor team. Baylor record. Consensus All-Southwest Conference. Your entire backfield, J.U., Walter U., and Dennis, All-Southwest Conference. Uh, Dickerson and James, I think, were, may have been second team. Right. But you guys were first team All-Conference. Frank Ditta. And the offensive line was consensus all-conference. And then on the defensive side, uh, some guy, somebody named Singletary was all-conference. <laughs> somebody. Charles Benson, Joe Campbell, Doak Field, and Van McElroy. Yeah. All those guys were first-team consensus all-Southwest Conference. Yeah, That's amazing. It is amazing. Charlie Benson's another one that doesn't get mentioned, but he was a dominant player. Those poor quarterbacks that were running against him didn't have a chance because <laughs> he would trick them and do stuff, and he was an amazing, amazing talent. But uh, – yeah, well, not saying a, a lot coming from you in practice. And if they were as all like that that you were talking about, competitive, then you definitely know. <laughs> it was an amazing, amazing group of guys for sure. It really was. Yeah. It really was. And, you know, we talk about the uh, the, the great defense and all those uh, tremendous players, but probably the most underrated group on the field was our offensive line. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, for us to lead the conference in rushing that year and for Dennis and I to have the and, – and Jay to have the years that we had uh, running the ball and so forth, you you had to have a, an aggressive offensive line and, and guys that were good fundamentally at what they did because you can't have a good rushing attack unless you're f- good fundamentally. You have to be good fundamentally with your with your blocks and being able to sustain those blocks and and you know Mark Addicts and uh, oh gosh Buzzy Nelson. Yeah. I mean think about those those well, guys. Randy who don't Grimes get a lot of, who went on to play in the NFL for ten years. Right. You know, couldn't even get on the field. Yeah. He and Buzzy kind of alternated, but Buzzy was so good at what he did. But Mark Addicts actually got hurt when Mark graduated from Baylor. He was the highest paid lineman in professional football history. Went out to the LA Express with with Steve Young, um, but he got hurt in the first game. So our offensive line was dominant, and we lost our best offensive lineman in the first game against Lamar. And, uh, and so he was at that whole year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so, but, uh, you know, Mark Kirshner and Eddie Gregory and right. Bobby Glass and all those guys, of course, Ray Cockrell, Sam Houston, our offensive line. And then our, our receivers, too. I mean, Mike Fisher and uh, Radar Holt and Robert Mitchell, we had we had some fantastic receivers. Fantastic receivers, man. What are you? Gerald McNeil. I mean, Gerald Bruce McNeil, Davis. young. Bruce Davis. 
What a team. What a Threats team. everywhere. <laughs> well, let's go bowling. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll talk about that and, ha- and have more when we come back. You're tuned into the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics, and we'll be right back. The Black is back. It's the Black Friday sales event at Allen Samuels. Get special holiday deals on the truck of your dreams, like a brand new Ram Lone Star Crew Cab with special factory discounts and financing. Or grab hold of the Swiss Army Knife of SUVs, Jeep Gladiator, and head for holiday adventure. The Black is back. The Black Friday sales event from Allen Samuels, your friend in the car business. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wrap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. We are back with Jay Jeffrey, Walter Abercrombie, members of the 1980 Baylor Southwest Conference Football Championship team. Forty years uh, it has been since that year. You guys won the Southwest Conference by a record three games, finished uh, undefeated 8-0 in, in conference play. On to the Cotton Bowl, and who's waiting there? But uh, Bear Bryant in Alabama. Uh, and it was like, I mean, I can remember the bumper stickers, I think, or the trib uh, said, last person out of town, turn off the lights, because it was it was a migration to the Cotton Bowl, wasn't it, on New Year's Day? Man, it was. It was. I just got a question. How does How does Jay remember all of the details that he remembers? I can't remember. He got hit so, less than you. I, that's <laughs> what it is. What it is. Yeah. 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 My favorite Cotton Bowl uh, memory, because um, I, I wanted to forget a lot about that game as well. <laughs> but um, um, before the football game, I'm out on the field, and we're all warming up. <clears throat> and, of course, um, the head football coach, um, Bear, Bryant. Bear Bryant, he was standing on about the 50-yard line. And uh, I remember hearing so much about him as a young football player coming up to you know high mm-hmm. school and, and then at Baylor. And here we are getting ready to face him, you know. So I was I was really excited. I stand and I'm looking at him. He's got this gray, you know, this kind of, you know, felt hat on. And the and hat. he's got this this, uh, this uh, red jacket. You know, and of course, coaches wore suits at that time. And, and so I'm going to go over and say hello to him, you know. And, and so I went up to him and I said, Coach Bryant. <clears throat> he said, he turned around and said, yes. I said, I just wanted to you know, meet you. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm number 34. I'm Walter Abercrombie. He goes, oh, boy, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and we found out that game that he very well did. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, was about to say, he'd been watching tape uh, on yeah. you. <laughs> that was a harbinger of things to come. After, right. after the game, uh, Coach uh, Bryant came as we were leaving. I, I ran up to shake his hand. 
and uh, and uh, he he looked at me and and he said, "Jay, you're you're a fine man." Wow, how about that? What a great so, memory. Which maybe means I probably wasn't a good football player, <laughs> <laughs> but a good he, man. He a good man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think about there's an iconic picture of uh, Bear Bryant and Coach Taft, you know, talking before that game, and and that's just terrific to yeah. think about them. You know, being together on the field. Trivia, I know you guys know this. Uh, we only scored two points in that game. Yeah. Uh, who scored those two points? Tommy Tabor. Tommy Tabor with a safety. Yep. That's right. And that was it. But it really didn't – here's the way I remember it. It didn't dampen what you guys had done no. that year. It would have been great to win the Cotton Bowl, but, man, the uh, the memory is nothing but positive about that 1980 it's, season. It's two – the first two possessions, and, and afterwards it was kind of dominant, but that's the way games go sometimes. But the first possession, we moved the ball down the field and then actually ran a lead option to the left and, and – uh, and it kind of hit Dennis, and sometimes the ball pops through your hands, and we fumbled that possession, but we were down in the 20. The next possession, we ran a lead option pass, which is where I come down the line and uh, back up. They think we're reading the lead option, and I'm getting ready to throw it. And, again, radar's coming wide open about the 10-yard line, and we don't hinge block on the backside. And I get blindsided, mm. and the ball pops up, and they intercept it. So mm. it's kind of interesting how – you know, we we moved the ball well the first two possessions, and then after that, it just kind of hmm. nothing nothing happened after that. So, yeah. Well, tell everybody. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but but you guys on that team, really the seventy nine eighty teams, you guys have stayed close through the years, haven't you? We really have, and um, you know, this was the fortieth anniversary of the nineteen eighty team, and um, we were planning a big reunion. Last year, we had the reunion, uh, reunion of the 1979 team. So some of the guys were sick, uh, you know. So we were going to see some of the same guys two years in a row at these reunions. And and then COVID came along, and so it canceled our plans to reunion, have a reunion this year. But uh, we have stayed close. And, um, you know, one of the things, John, I, 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 and, I and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but um, I get to be in this job, and I get a chance to stay in touch with a lot of guys and, and, and try to encourage them to stay involved with Baylor, come back to games, and we, we try to make it fun for them. And, um, but <clears throat> uh, we, we decided to redesign the 1980 championship team, Ring. The, the, um, and, and they didn't have it with him, but well, he got it yesterday. And it's a beautiful ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ring that we got was fine, but this ring is more of a modern type of championship ring. And so we redesigned it. All the players who wanted one got a chance to order them. And we were able to give them out just in the last few weeks. And uh, it's been pretty cool to see uh, everybody's reaction to the ring. But what's cooler to me is that there are there are guys who may not have been able to afford the 200 and something dollar or whatever the ring cost. And it wasn't a problem because we had several players on the team to step up without even asking. So, you know what? If my teammate needs a ring, I'm going to pay for that ring. Wow. How about wow. that? And, and that's, uh, to me, kind of is, is, is in essence, what, what the, our team was all about, is uh, having each other's back. And after 40 years, you know, guys still having that feeling to want to step up and help a teammate who maybe can't afford the ring or for whatever reason, did, you know, didn't want to buy it. We want to make sure that person had a ring. And so I'm appreciative to guys like Jay and others on the football team um, a dope feel, a guy who, you know, he mean as a, you know, junkyard <laughs> dog, but, but man, when it comes to helping other people, um, you know, they, they're there for us. And so I get a chance to see that each year. This happens to be my team. 
And so to see that was, was really meaningful to me. Well, and it's super neat to hear stories like that and to see, you know, doing research with this, I was looking up, you know, all the different players, uh, what they're doing now and to see, you know, just how successful they have been, whether or not they continued football careers or they didn't. Um, but this 1980 team has very well represented what it means to be a Baylor athlete um, on and off the field and long careers in the NFL like you and in your company, Jay. And uh, so that's got to feel good also to, to look around and see that, you know, kind of what Coach Taft ingrained in all of you has continued through all these years. And it's not uncommon when you have a championship team of made up of people that the same drive that drives them in competition drives them in life and in the, their faith and their business or, or in, in everything they do every day. And so I think that's a, a case of, of our team. And it's fun to see the guys. And it, what's interesting is whether it's been one year or been 15 years since you've talked to somebody, when you finally get a chance to talk to them, it just – all comes back, and, and it, it's great to see these guys. And so we're very lucky. And this COVID, when all this happened, we've actually been getting together more often by a, a Zoom kind of a thing. And, and uh, so that's that's been a pretty neat, neat deal this year. Well, we're sorry that we couldn't have a full-fledged honoring uh, for you guys with the whole team and everything like that. But hopefully this podcast, in kind of walking down memory lane, the green and gold memory lane, uh, provides that for you guys and hopefully your teammates listen and join us and uh, get to kind of celebrate you that way so and you know one of the things and I know we're probably out of time but that is the it's all the players we had so many fantastic players that played or that were freshmen that year or didn't get to play but our coaching staff I mean these guys became head coaches all over the country I mean when you're talking about Corky Nelson and John O'Hara and Grant Taft I mean Cotton Davidson who's just a legend uh, Duke Christian, I mean, you just go down this team, Bill Hicks, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously Coach Lane and, and, and Wade, Wade Turner. 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 So, you know, just a fantastic, magical group of people and uh, that believed in each other. And you, you believe in people because you have a belief. A lot of times you have a belief in a God, and I do, and we do. And the fact is we do all this because we, we want to win and we want to be strong, but you have to believe in something bigger and better. And we serve a Lord in Jesus Christ that is the reason that we're here. And it's the fact that we strive to be great in everything that we do through our faith in him that allows us to be great. And that's one of the great things about this team. Well, that's a great place to wrap things up. Absolutely. Thank you guys for representing all your teammates. That 1980 season will live forever in Baylor football history. And thanks to Jay Jeffrey and Walter Abercrombie. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. having us. A lot of fun. Uh, for Brooke Bednars and our two guests, I'm John Morris. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Sikkim Podcast. You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast. Presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.